everybody. Welcome to episode 257 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film and more. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson, and I'm excited today we because have we have a guest. Um, Finally, you have to hear about our stupid film for another episode. I know. <laughs> I don't, I'm sick of it now at this point. Um, but please introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Jesse Shimada. And I, I said it like I'm a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a filmmaker and writer, director, TV guy, and film guy. And I made a short film called A Simple Fucking Gesture. Love it. And um, I guess, you know, I guess I'm peddling that, kind of. Great. <laughs> so we're talking about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think it might have been. And I want to hear a bit. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to hear more about your film at some point because I'm listening. To <laughs> what's going on? And yeah. so don't you know? Don't stop. It's stupid. It's stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I wanted. Was it short of the week that I saw this? Was this on short mm-hmm. of the week? It, it might have yeah. been. I go I go to so many. I, I just like search, and then I lose track of where I'm I'm watching things. And uh, so you know, kudos. The title pulled me in. I was just like, all right, I have yeah. to I have to know what's going on here. Um, and, uh, I watched the short, showed it to him. It's such a good example of a simple short film, one location ish, mostly. I mean, you have external internals, but just like one, uh, yeah, one location that, location that just gets straight to the point. And it seems like, oh, well, that's easy to do, but it's really not. It's so hard to tell a story in such a short amount of time that doesn't seem misplaced, either jumping in or jumping out. Um, so it was just really well written and um, and relatable. Honestly, I think it was oh, yeah. probably a week after he had watched it that we were pulling into Home Depot, and I happened to yeah. be driving. And there's like a whole bunch of like Marshalls and all this stuff in there, and I let somebody in, and I didn't get my wave, and we both laughed, and we were like, "It's a simple fucking gesture." <laughs> Like, How hard is it to raise? It's like, yeah. God. Um, oh, but, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, well, thank you, first of all. I mean, I appreciate it. I think it has, you know, the reaction obviously has been relatable, I think, overall, which I was hoping for. Um, but I guess to your first comment about the, you know, the the idea of a, a sh- really a short film and I, 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 that came from, it's not, you didn't ask a question, but I'm going to answer kind of a question. Mm-hmm. But the idea that it's a short film and it's contained. And I, I really like, um, I saw, I've seen so many short films that feel like they're trying to pack a feature into a short, you know, yeah. show you what I can do. And I'm going to be overly ambitious on this thing just to, I don't know why. I think it's just natural. Like you want to show off what you can do. And, you, but I think what I, learned um watching shorts and and going you know going to some festivals and things like that over the years it's is just that the reaction from the audience for something that's so self-contained not just in a in a car or in a room but something that you know story-wise tells a story has a beginning middle and end it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like you're you're trying to tell something bigger or longer and it's compacted into something else i think that seemed to get the best I noticed to get the best reactions. That's not why I, I wrote something like this. I think my mind just tends to go into that um, that spot. I do some commercials. I work in short form 
you know, sketch and stuff. So it's always been that you got to kind of get in and get out in an efficient way. So, um, this, but after, after having said that, I think the reality of this was it, the original inception of the idea was a scene from a feature I was mm -hmm. writing, I think at the time. And I thought, oh, this would be a great, you know, this couple stop, like, gets into this altercation with this person on this road. But then it just kind of had a life of its own. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and it went from there. Yeah. So was this to answer a non-question. <laughs> full I, description. I want to believe that this comes from an actual experience, even though it may not have. <clears throat> well, I mean, well, it came from our experience yeah, at least. Saying, like, that's, that's <laughs> but idea. what inspired it? I guess. Okay, I mean, I can't. I've never. I, I can't. I don't want to spoiler alert it, but or I, I want to don't want to spoil it. I don't have to say the alert part. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, no, I've never had a specific interaction like the one in the short. But obviously, I've had tons of experiences in this uh, milieu mm -hmm. shall we say um i was driving i was working on something and i was commuting a lot driving a lot and um it was really just born out of that that my rage my my i i was so fucking angry on the road and <laughs> it was just like how do i without there you know getting out of my car and just you know it was like how do i channel this in a way so i started doing years ago and i started doing uh you know whatever voice to text on my iphone while i was in the car and i would just record and and or record my my notes audio notes and stuff like that and just start thinking of dialogue and i just had hours of lines of hate-filled you know <laughs> what i would do to you kind of thing it was a great release actually it, it got me through the drive much much safer probably yeah <laughs> but then i just kind of formed into something that um was you know, obviously, um, hopefully kind of funny, but also something that had a bit of a comment um, on, you know, who we are as individuals yeah. in the world mm -hmm. and, and living in our little bubbles and, and uh, really, we're no different. I mean, I've not I've I usually wave, but um, I give people a courtesy wave when yeah. I cut them off or and let in. <laughs> but um you know, I'm sure I'm sure I haven't at times, and who knows what's going on in the minds of those people? Yeah, behind me. yeah, yeah. Well, how did you uh, come to meet the actors in in this? Um, so they're friends, but they were friends because we worked together on a. I'm, I live in Toronto, mm -hmm. and there's a uh, there was a a TV show, a late night talk show on CBC uh, here in Canada called. Um, it was first called The Hour. And then they shortened it to a half hour, so they called it the um, George Strombolopoulos Tonight. He's a he's a TV and radio host, mm -hmm. a friend of mine. <clears throat> and I was working on it as a um, as kind of like a comedy producer on the show, and we would do all these little vignettes um, with guests, you know, celebrities that would come in. And one of the writers on the show was Paul Bates, who plays the man in the short, the mm -hmm. young man, younger man. Um, and uh, we hit it off and we wrote some things and shot some things and spent years on that show together and have just been friends ever since. And his wife, um, Chrissy, is also, they're both improvisers and writers. And I, um, I thought 
it was pre-COVID we actually saw it just just before COVID and that wasn't the reason why we you know contained in a bubble with a couple a real real life couple mm-hmm. that that would have been perfect for COVID we should have just waited but um, <laughs> the 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 uh, idea of working was kind of laziness on my part but also I knew them and it was just kind of a perfect. Um, I just asked them and, and they could prep together and run the lines and mm-hmm. do everything. And it just made sense. And it was, and they're, I think kind of perfect for it. Um, yeah. So it was born out of kind of my, my laziness. Uh, I knew somebody, I didn't want to do a casting. I hate doing castings. Yeah. And it was kind of nice. And I know you guys make films and you're in them and it's yeah. like, it's, it, it's, so it's not just laziness, right? It's, 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 it's um, tonally what you know and get with somebody else. And, and, and it's the process of making something with people you like. And it's so much better. And uh, makes it makes things go so much easier, usually. Yeah. So. I love that they're an actual couple. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Yeah. I enjoy the casting process, though, because I always feel like these are going to be my new friends. <laughs> At least for the, the 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 duration of the film, I'm I'm a I'm a bit more antisocial, so yeah. I'm like I'm kind of like capped at the amount of friends yeah. I care to have at the moment. <laughs> well, you know i I like the I like the end result of the casting and mm-hmm. hoping, yeah, you right. know, that there's somebody there that you're finding. But yeah. the process of casting, yeah, I the, don't know. the physical process of it is, yeah, it's that's... just you know, like. I also occasionally do commercials and that's even more kind of inhumane in a way, yeah, the yeah. process of casting. And and my dad's an actor and I grew up around it. He actually plays the gentleman in the film. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I saw the ups and downs of the industry and mm-hmm. the and the process of casting and and it's just so ugly in so many ways. So when I started doing stuff, um, I just had this built-in disdain for the actual process of casting mm-hmm. and how. So I looked at it as, you know, oh, I'm so sorry you have to be here. <laughs> as yeah. a person, it's, an, it's a great opportunity, but um, I'm slowly getting over that uh, and and enjoying the process a bit more. But it is, it's, it's just also really, um, yeah, it's just difficult. I think when you don't really find that perfect something and i was mm-hmm. lucky here because i had these people in my mind when i was writing and i knew paul and i knew christine i've just worked but um uh there's nothing also better than finding somebody who you never think you're going to find and it's just a gem you know yeah and, yeah and casting and that's beautiful and fun and rewarding but yeah yeah um, i always feel bad because everybody that would audition it's like Oh, you came all the way out here. You've memorized these lines. You did all this stuff for just us who were nobody. And it's like I, I want to hire everyone because I because I feel bad because they've put yeah. all this time into it. And yeah. Um, but yeah. But, I always feel like um, I always feel really saccharine when I'm in because you know, as an actor, yes, I I I write over all of our films, so I I put myself in the film. But honestly, my my goal is to be able to have a supporting role and not take the lead. I take the lead for the main reason that I don't pay me. So I'm like, well, if I've got the most lines and I have to do the most work, then I don't have to pay me. So I'll take that part. Um, but, you know, there's always, there's, as a lead actor, there's always that dream to take 
that perfect supporting part. You know, you watch movies and you're like, yeah, the lead's great, but that supporting role, like, you know, you kind of focus on that. And they, they seem like the most fun characters to play. So, mm-hmm. but I got to pay those people. So <laughs> I don't take those. But, um, you know, there's a, that moment when we're in the auditioning process and I'm in the scene and I know from the jump, like, there's no way this person's going to work, you know, but I have to go through it with them. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, I really hope I hear from you. Oh, I yeah, love the script. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, it's awful. I know. Yeah, it's. I- it's not a fun it's not a fun time but you know the gems come out of strange places like we one of our friends that is in our current film who was in a, a film in the past as well um was someone that he found in casting and he was just like I really want to audition this girl and I I had someone else in mind for the part who also worked really well and I was like all right fine and uh she did wind up being better for it but the one actor that we were both like that's the guy um he showed up reeking of alcohol for his audition and i was like i don't know if this was like a last night thing and you just haven't even showered and it's just you just went on a bender and then came in for the audition or you needed to drink to get through the audition but neither one of those is good right (laughs) so i was really bummed because i was like i thought this was the guy and he's not the guy (laughs) i have to find another guy so kudos for you for kind of nipping it in the bud in terms of you that the 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 possibilities um of him being on set with you for a day trying to get through it yeah. um, well it was even worse because we were shooting for several days all staying yeah, in the, the house previous, previous short yeah so oh, we were all yeah, housing yeah. together in a farmhouse <laughs> and for i was like just week, like yeah. i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that this is probably not a good idea yeah we <laughs> We we're big on like you know because we we, it's it's our money, luckily mostly most yeah. not luckily but like in in the terms of like we we have that control of like, um, who we can bring on and stuff and so for us like most people I I would assume it we're big on like personalities right like you could be the most brilliant sound person or actor or whatever but if you just if you're an asshole, you're not, you're not in, you know what I mean? Like everybody has to get along. Cause we're like, I don't want, I don't ever want our sets to feel like not even sets. toxic because it was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, because we're so far from that, even worrying about that, but just, I don't want anyone to be uncomfortable or like, feel like this is just another job for them. You know, I want them to feel like they can have some fun and, 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 and that stuff. So I, I just, I hate, I don't want well, any kind of, I, you totally. know, egos you want or anything. That. You don't want the egos. You don't want that, um, that tension or anything to clash on set because, especially at the kind of probably the price point that we're working at. Yeah, right. You know, nobody's getting paid a lot, and you mm-hmm. want it to be an enjoyable process, and you want to work with these people again, and you want to keep, you know, you want them coming back on a multi-day shoot. You don't want that mm-hmm. kind of you know, you don't want to fire them or not have them come back. So it's just about, yes, it's about finding that kind of like enjoyable environment that you can work in that if, you know, if people are having a good time, the work is going to show. I mean, you catch more flies with vinegar. What's the expression? But yeah, you, honey, vinegar, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's keeping people happy, I think. Yeah. It's, but also just getting along. Yeah. Yeah. 
So how did uh, how did the film location work? How did yeah, like how that scene? Like I'm sure there was some trickery involved, but um, ever suspicious. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, it's all it's all trickery. It was um, it was all shot in a uh, virtual set. No, I'm kidding. We, to do that. we thought about doing that, but um, so well, let me back up and tell you that it was. I did get some money to do it from. It was a competition situation so i'm a member of the directors guild of mm -hmm. canada <clears throat> and they had a, a pre-covid they were doing this thing yearly or by every couple of years which was a, a script competition they'd give a couple people some money to do a short and one year i submitted that scene from the movie that i thought would be a great uh i cleaned it up and thought it would be a great short and i sent it in and it was called the wave and um it became this and I won and I got some money to do the short. So we had a little bit of money to play with, which is nice. But when you have that mentality, certain aspects of cost cutting go out the window. So we had to close. We are also shooting at the busiest time of year in Toronto. Toronto gets a lot of summer production and a lot of, you know, um, uh, service production for American films and mm -hmm. things like that. So it was very busy. Um, and we found there's a street, a, a street that doesn't get much traffic. That's just kind of on the, uh, we call it the Portlands of Toronto. And it's a, it's a area that's now becoming gentrified. I think the, our, our, our week where we shot or our night where we shot, um, was kind of the last night that they were permitting this street. Oh wow! But with permitting a, a city of Toronto street for film, you got to get like a, you got to get cops and you got to get, mm. um, you know, cones and all that stuff costs so much money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the money, unfortunately went into that kind of stuff. We permitted a strip of road, um, through the night, um, in this area. And we got, you know, 30 extras who brought their own cars. Wow. And we kind of just orchestrated it um sequentially um mm -hmm. and i kind of shot in chunks but in a sequential chunk because it was less confusing for the background to right you right. know the positions but it was a nightmare it was i mean <laughs> first of all we shot it was fucking horrible i mean in that in the logistics of it because the the night we shot was the shortest one of the shortest we were getting up there but it was like the, one of the shortest nights of the year like it's midsummer right mm -hmm. so we had you know if we'd done this in october we would have had so much more time right. to shoot but i wanted to shoot through the night it's a one night shoot and um the background performers that came out with their cars i don't think were very experienced and we're probably doing it as a you know i can make some money through the night uh, after my day job. So we had multiple times where, you know, action and the cars would start to move and then they wouldn't. And our car would just be jammed there and not moving. And I realized that uh, the the lead background extra in their car had fallen asleep. Oh, just behind the wheel with their car running. <laughs> um, they would run out of gas. So we had a jerry can of gas that we'd pour into. It was just one of those things. It was like, why did we do this? I mean, the yeah. things you don't think of. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, we tried to prepare as much as we could with, um, with uh, you know, 
the little uh, cars. What are they called? Why am I like blanking? Matchbox those? cars or whatever? Not, yeah, yeah. Like oh, okay. little matchbox cars. So we did an overhead um, of the street. My VP, Martin Hawks, and I, we did this kind of overhead on cardboard and drew the, the lanes and construction and mm-hmm. and then had little matchbox cars um, lined up. And we just kind of blocked our way through it. And we, we stuck pretty close to how we how we originally um, conceived of it in terms of the logistics and how, how we'd shoot it. But, you know, you can't account for people falling asleep or that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was kind of horrendous in so many ways, but you know, I don't know. You just do it. Right. You get through right. it. Yeah. yeah. There was this, um, a line where, um, I have, I have it here. So your, your father's truck, um, he yes. delivers a line to Paul, I didn't say verbatim, but, uh, you know, where he says, well, how do you know I didn't wave and you just didn't see it? And Paul's like, oh, did you? And he's like, no. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and the way Paul just goes, oh, <laughs> like yeah. the, t- the two of them in that moment, that was like probably the funniest part for me. And it seems so simple, but it was just such a, a it was just such a, a, a simple delivery, you know, yeah. just like, did you? No. Oh, <laughs> like, well, I guess we'll continue with that. And then also just the, uh, you know, that those moments where like couples will sort of egg each other on, you know, and then it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, yeah. he's getting out of the car. Like, never mind. Forget it. What have you done? Yeah. I'm like, sure that's happened to you guys. It happens to me and my wife. And it's kind of that, you know, you want that, especially I think earlier, it's the phases of relationships, right? Through your time with people. But mm. yeah, you're kind of egging somebody on and you're, you've got this kind of bravado. And then you're realizing, oh, my, I'm not that guy. Oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah. You know, like, I'm just, bite <laughs> yeah that I actually just... happened to us recently we were in 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 the city in new york and um oh god we got rear-ended so i got out of the car like like you know like a typical like hey what the hell you know and i'm like yeah. this guy could have been six five huge yeah. an mma fighter for all i know and i'm just acting like I, I wasn't like screaming at the guy but i got out like with all this bravado but like there was no way i was backing any of that up <laughs> Right, right, I mean, right. luckily for me, the person didn't get out of the car or whatever. Well, but, he um, scared him at yeah. that point, which is ironic because Paul's not confrontational at all. So the fact that he'd scared this guy, this guy was less confrontational than he, even he is. Yeah. But I'm from the city. So it was like, even though I've been out of the city for nearly 20 years, that right. part of me still came right. Because it was my car that he rear-ended and I'm very precious yeah. about my car. So I got out like, you! and he was just like not getting out of his car (laughs) at all and i mean it was uh it you know like his bumper cut into my bumper it wasn't like a big thing but he says that but i'm like there's a slice in my bumper (laughs) now i have to find the perfect bumper sticker (laughs) to cover this because i'm not paying i'm not ripping off my whole end panel just to fix that with the way cars are made now uh but you know yeah it's just like the that moment where you're not really thinking and it's like oh this person he could have had a bunch of people in the car you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> he would exactly. have been outnumbered exactly and it's 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 you know in retrospect terrifying and yeah i've done that too and i think oh i am i'm so angry and i'm also invincible and i'm gonna get out and i'm gonna intimidate this person and and then you get out i've done that too and i've gotten out and realized what am i immediately yeah like, what yeah. am i doing and then do you back off or do you Kind of yeah, like do you do you just go all in? in or you gotta be yeah. cool about it though. Uh, now what? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta be cool about it. Yeah. I think for me, it was 
that um, I was always a person like I'm not in a, an aggressive person as as the the shit starter but if somebody's disrespectful i'm like the first one if someone's being disrespectful i'm the first one to be like you're being an asshole like you know and then i for my day job at that time was managing a mental health facility and once i started to see so many of the patients that like you could hear punching things in their sessions punching a couch and then coming out like nothing. And then I see them around town. It was at that point that I was like, you know what? You really have no idea who you're starting a fight with. <laughs> exactly. So I started, right? it was at that point that I went like, if it's something egregious, it's one thing. But I started to just let things go because I was like, there's so much, uh, there are so many unstable people that you just, they seem like they're doing fine. But I'm like, I know this person and this person is set off so so easily yeah so <laughs> well that's i think oh, that was part of it for me this this short was this could have been a completely different type of short it couldn't have been a, it could have been a non-comedy it could have been a mm. grisly horror it could have been a yeah. really violent film and i think you know in this in this regard it took a direction that was, you know, kind of funny and hopefully says something about society and all that stuff. But I, I don't think, you know, the reality is it's, you know, so many awful things happen yeah. um, in these kinds of situations and people don't think. And, you know, I guess I took it as far as I could and kept it funny, but it, it can go so, so quickly. And I mean, it, it's terrifying, you know, and I'd heard a story years ago about a, um, a guy I knew kind of indirectly knew in Florida who kept a gun in his glove compartment and, uh, he got cut off and they pulled over in, on the highway and the guy in a pickup got out and with a baseball bat and he pulled his gun on, and it was just like, this can happen, right? Mm -hmm. this, yeah, is, yeah. this is the reality now. And it's terrifying. So, um, yeah, well, it's also Florida. All, so. Florida. <laughs> we call it in florida they call that tuesday yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so yeah but everything can go so so quickly but yeah. um i don't know it's funny it's so yeah. have have you made a feature before no i haven't i've 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 it, you know I want to. It's something mm -hmm. I have scripts for, and I'm. I think I'm ready now. I think when I was in my early twenties, I'm not in my twenties anymore. Um, but when I was, much <laughs> neither older, are we. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have this perception of I'm going to make this film, and it's going to be I'm going to be the next Tarantino, and uh, whatever. You know, in your mind, you want to fulfill that kind of young filmmaker prophecy. Um, and I started doing other things that interest me i started working in tv in different capacities and i started doing commercials it was still in the wheelhouse of making stuff but you know i have a family you gotta make money and i don't know what it's like there in this u.s right now i think it's probably pretty similar is unless you're at a certain level of making a film you're not making a great living being a feature filmmaker mm -hmm. yeah um, right it's tough right so um i kind of ended up in more in TV mm -hmm. and um, I have done over the years a lot of like kids and teen type shows mm -hmm. and uh, writing and directing in that world so um, 
it just it just you know you fall into it and there's a paycheck and you do that stuff and then on the side i've been making short films and um that's kind of satiated my need to to do that kind of stuff yeah but now i feel like i'm in a position um where you know you put so much time and effort into uh getting a short together you wonder why you just don't spend a few more weekends and and put a feature together Um, right and so that's that's the next thing and it's whether i get uh you know money from elsewhere or not i think Mm -hmm. the idea is to just kind of find find a story that um is really just uh, not unlike this where it can can be kind of contained and it can be a small a small uh, you know logistically small film um but tells a great story so that's that's kind of where i'm headed now and, and just trying to um get some stuff off the ground that really is not overly ambitious i think is mm. what i'm trying to say is not trying to be something that um is ambitious in terms of you know performance and how it looks and all of that but not in terms of over over trying to overachieve in terms of budgets things like that it really is yeah uh, you know i mean you know you know what it's like and i've yeah. seen um some of your your shorts and stuff and i'm sorry i, I really no, no <laughs> I, i'm really impressed with especially the the way you've integrated um post visual effects and stuff it's really beautiful and smart that's so, all him yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's 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 i think you know you know what your skill set is and you incorporate it in a way that is making sense um for the story as opposed to trying to write something and trying to get um a million dollars to make the film um yeah. i think it's just you know at a certain point you just have to go out and do it um yeah. yeah, that's always been yeah. our thing, you know, where it's 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 just just do something, you know, it doesn't have to be the best thing in the world, but you just you just get out there and make it. And so for us, yeah, my, you know, motion graphics, visual effects, that's my TV and com- commercial stuff, you know, it's the kind of where I landed with with the paycheck and everything. And so um, I'm lucky in that I can integrate a lot of that stuff, um, which would normally cost people that don't do that a, a bit of money. So mm-hmm. it can add some production value if we're shooting something within that that uh, kind of tone or whatever. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny because um, there's such a few there's such a a low percentage of you making it whatever that is to it's it's different for everybody whatever mm-hmm. making it is um but you know we're all still here chasing it and and doing what what we want to do and for us we're very much the uh, journey is the destination type people like we just want there's no holy grail that we're going to end up at right there's no um you know making it you know it's just Maybe next time oh, we'll we use less set, of our money yeah. for a film, and then maybe some t- one day we'll n- we won't use any of our money for a film, and that would be mm-hmm. great. And then, then maybe yeah, maybe one year we we can survive just on uh, narrative work or commercial work or whatever it is. And so it's just you just kind of do your best, and then you deal with whatever life hands you back. I don't right, know. As it, you get older, sorry, I was just gonna say as you get older and you more experience in the industry, you realize too that this is the good stuff. Um, yeah, 100%. you're paid to do certain things and you're working in certain types mm-hmm. of TV or commercials or even uh, I would imagine uh, your stories about people who get a lot of money to make their second feature or something. It's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. You're right. not producing something with sometimes you are, I assume, but you're not really producing something that really has that kind of 
sometimes heart and grit that only doing it that way can produce. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes um, I always wonder, it's sort of a catch-22, right? Because there's the one side of you that goes, well, I can see the benefit of having a mindset where you say, my goal is to make it. I'm going to be successful, right? And, you know, you 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 meet and speak to people that have this mindset and you just like, that's how they got there. They never gave up, you know. But then there's also, I'm a pessimist. So there's a side of me that goes, I've met the opposite end of that, right? Where this person is in their 50s, they're in their 60s, and they're still waiting to make it. And I'm like, buddy, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah probably not going to happen and that doesn't mean that you still can't be part of this world but it's such a setup for disappointment because it's i don't know aside from music so any any kind of entertainment there's nothing more competitive than that than perhaps sports you know it's not you and a hundred people it's you and a hundred thousand people that are all going for the same thing and you know so the odds are like when we started doing this my mindset was the odds are we're not going to we're not going to make it. And it's funny that you say Tarantino because that is one of my favorite directors. So, you know, it's like as an actor, I was like, OK, so I'll probably never make it onto a Tarantino set. That's Especially 99. One, maybe one more film. Left. <laughs> he's got one film. left. Well, he said he would do TV, yeah. possibly. Uh, <laughs> there's still a chance. Uh, but, you know, I didn't want to fool myself as an actor, especially since I started later in my life. I start. I didn't start pursuing acting until I was about. 29 almost 30 and i'm now 43 as a, a 43 year old woman in this business you might as well be dead you know <laughs> so yeah. I, you know i i never wanted to set myself up to have these uh, you know these expectations that would leave me bummed for the rest of my life and so i just went okay anything's possible i never thought that anybody would give us more than a hundred dollars for one of our movies when we did a crowdfunding and our last movie my biology teacher from high school gave us $1,700. Wow. And I thought, uh, never did I think that would happen in my life, especially from someone I haven't seen since I was a teenager. <laughs> and then why are you giving us all this money? Um, and he just liked our work and, and had the money to give. Right. And I was like, this is insane. Never thought that would happen. But there it is. So anything is possible. And so we just left it at like, at least we get to be creative. That's my goal. I may not make it, but I'm getting to tell stories and write and perform and create something. And that is also good enough. If my, my work may not be prolific on a monetary standpoint, but I'm still doing something. Exactly. And what is, what is making it? What is success? Mm -hmm. What is all that? You know, right. and, and there's, there's this perception that, you know, you have to do X to be successful and it's, it's, it's brainwashing our youth. Yeah. you know yeah, yeah really you know as you, as you that's why i was saying like as a young filmmaker i wanted to be this guy who was doing you know this indie hit and then blah 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 and you have this career and it, rarely does it ever work out that way but i feel like you know i found success in other ways and there is you're right there is that possibility to do anything and the world is changing and how we create things and and all of that but you know the idea that you're left with to be successful or to have made it is this one thing or mm -hmm. these few things. And, you know, I'm sure you've been in a position where, you, you know, you want to get to a certain place and then you're at that place and you're like, okay, what's next? It's like, yeah, exactly. I thought that I'm at the pinnacle of what I could mm -hmm. do. Or can, and then there's more, there's, you're never satisfied. You're never, mm -hmm. I think that's part of the creative process and, and the, you know, your self calibration of, 
achievement, right? Is yeah. getting to one point, moving on, moving on. Maybe you're never going to make a hundred million dollar film, but I mean, is that, is that the best thing? I mean, we've yeah. all read so many, you know, interviews and, and, and articles and heard people who are massively successful talk about how either insecure or unhappy they are with a certain point of their career where mm -hmm. the rest of the world is thinking that's fucking amazing. Well, yeah. You shouldn't be, no, well, there's this and this and this, and you don't think about that stuff. So I think there's so much going on with all that. I think you just have to strip it all away. And I mean, I'm speaking only for myself and it's, it's just kind of stripping away that other stuff um, and just focusing on, you know, what makes you happy on the day to day. And if you can be creative and you can do a short every 10, 10 years <laughs> and um, make a little money, I think that's pretty, pretty successful, you know, and it's, it's hard to get stuff made as you know. Yeah. And uh, if anyone sees it, I think that's a, that's a success. So, yeah. You know, and there is um, that the the misconception too. I think for people that don't have experience that go into the business, going, I want to be a filmmaker, and they forget that when you have when you have producers and when you have backers for this, you know, the more money that gets put into it, the less control you're likely to have, especially as an unknown. Like you're basically a stand-in. You know, yet you're the director, but you're not going to have a say in anything running, yeah. because this is our money now, and so. There is like, you know, don't get me wrong. I would I would love to know what we would be able to do with a hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot because we could do a lot with six thousand dollars. So I know yeah. that we can we can make it stretch because we've been doing so much ourselves. But I also know that I'm going to lose a lot of that creative control. You know, as a writer, the fact that I have a say what happens on set is rare. You know, usually it's like, give me the story. Now go sit over there or you're not even in the room. You know. Right. And goodbye. And we, we we bought the script and we have the right to change everything about it. You're probably not even going to recognize this when it's done and you're going to hate it unless unless somewhere in this contract, you know, otherwise was stated. But the fact that I'm getting to actually co-direct with him and and say, you know what, I don't I don't love this part or I don't, you know, um, there's there's value in that, in being able to see your film the downside of that is that when it's terrible, that's totally your fault. <laughs> I have nobody yeah. to blame when it's like, shit, that, all right, that was on me. <laughs> I well, can't it's going to be on you no matter what, because the, exactly you know, right, the, the yeah. big studio is not going to take, they're going right. to say the director was shit or yeah. the writer was shit. So if it's a success, somebody else is going to want to take credit mm -hmm. the people that gave you all that money, I think, in some capacity. So I, I think you're totally right. And I think having worked in, in TV with, as a director, episodic television with budgets, some budgets, you're not, you know, you're pushing buttons. It's not, you know, you're not there to, you know, you can, you can tweak performance and you can block out scenes and you can, but, you know, ultimately you're not, it's not a really creative endeavor and um, you're, you're being, you're being paid and then asked to do your job and leave. So I think the idea of having, less money but the total creative freedom to do this kind of stuff especially when you have the skills to incorporate you know you've got you know you've got camera gear you can edit yourself you can mm -hmm. do visual effects you can do all that stuff you can act you know you can tell the stories um it's it's empowering that way um in a way that you know stepping onto a a film with a budget um, but under somebody else's control, you hear horror stories too about like 
the Star Wars, the director on a Star Wars, you know, and they can't. They can't do anything. Disney yeah. is, you know, so yeah. you hear all these things and it, it makes sense. And, you know, it's, um, I think it's all about the misconceptions of what people assume the industry is and what mm-hmm. it's like. And I think it's just not, I think the writer's strike now is showing that. It's like, you think that TV writers are, are making a fortune, but when they break it down and you see that there's such, so few that really are and, right. uh, and how difficult it can be um, for people who are even staffed on hit shows, you know, it can, it's not, it's not what it all is perceived to be. So, um, well, streaming yeah. really kind of threw a, a wrench in the works of, of how everything was set up. It seems, you know, like with especially with residuals and 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 just the landscape of everything. For you know, there's a good side and a bad side to all of that. You know, mm-hmm. the the bad side is dealing with residuals and making sure people are compensated fairly. And but the good side is is now there's more content than ever before. And so, uh, some somebody that would never have been able to release a, a film could now get a budget for an Amazon film or a Netflix film mm-hmm. or something like that. So um, I'm just hoping that everything kind of lines up for everybody, but I'm an optimist, <laughs> so we'll see. Well, you're right though, in that, you know, there's so much, so much, there's so many streaming opportunities, so many places that they need content and that's a great opportunity for a lot of people. Um, I don't know how it really filters down quite yet. And, there's you know probably a lot of the same people producing the same stuff for all these um you know film and television projects on streaming services but um yeah there's tons of opportunity right and that's kind of empowering and kind of fun to think um you know and get your stuff out there and and you know i, I was really shocked that um this didn't this short didn't really have a it did it did festivals but it was all through covid so i didn't really mm-hmm. get to go anywhere oh, it was yeah. all you know, yeah. hybrid digital stuff and it felt really disappointing because yeah. i really wanted to go and there were some cool festivals that kind of you know just did a digital version and stuff mm-hmm. like that so but then you know it had a bit of a life after the fact with you know short of the week and mm-hmm. and i there were some sales to hbo in europe and canada cbc and hollywood suite and different places and it started to get some momentum so you never know like i thought it was kind of i thought it was kind of dead in, in a sense yeah. and and the festival thing um didn't really uh you know didn't really pay off i mm-hmm. thought that's kind of maybe old school of me that you'd send a short to a festival and you know yeah. something happens but i think um you know it's it's youtube it's like all these different avenues now that you get your stuff out there and you get recognized for it. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't be here if you hadn't seen the short. And awesome. <laughs> yeah. We're the first step in your next uh, journey. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. And I'll thank you at the award, the awards. Yeah. Have you ever worked uh, in production in the States? Uh, I have. I wonder, like, the difference bit. between... Yeah. I mean, I've worked thing. in commercials in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've done any long form. I've worked on some documentary projects um, for other people in the states, but no, I've never really. No, I haven't had a, you know, done a project in the mm-hmm. states. I haven't been hired as a director or a writer on a project that's um, scripted in the U.S. Really, um, but I don't think it's much. I, I mean, I, I see what comes. I've worked on stuff that's, you know 
come up from the States and shooting in Canada. Hmm. And um, a lot, most of the stuff I've done has been that, it seems, these days. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's very similar. And um, I think as time goes by, it's, it's even less distinct, the difference between the Canadian market and the American mm-hmm. market. You yeah. know, we share so much of everything that, um, you know, it's interesting now too, is that a lot of Canadian um, projects, whether it's film or TV, really it's tough to get, it's tough to get them made without an American partner. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, I would say the same in some ways about certain projects in the U S would like to have that Canadian partner window, mm-hmm. some money because we offer tax credits and we offer right. certain things. So it's, it's kind of a situation now where it's like, unless you get complete funding from telephone Canada for a feature film or from CMF, which is a government run kind of organizations that do contribute, um, you need those partners, right? You need a network to come on a, a Netflix or an Amazon or whoever, um, or a distribution partner, whether it's in the States or elsewhere. So it's about still cobbling together these budgets to make something. And so, um, I think it's pretty universal in the way that stuff gets made. I remember not, not too long ago when Americans had this attitude towards Toronto, where it was like, if you want to make it as an indie filmmaker, just go to Toronto. Like you'll just get a shot there. And I was, and you know, we wanted that to be true. And then I was like, feel like that's probably not going to be the case mm-hmm. um it's you know that's been our experiences you know we've been making films for 15 years together and you know it when when somebody says what what do you think the 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 whole uh what's the magic to it and what's the key and it's like it's connections no matter where you are it's connections even if you're not good if you have connections really doesn't matter you know i mean you can get your foot in the door i mean we know people that have gotten their gotten meetings with incredibly high it didn't go anywhere but they got the meeting because they knew someone who knew somebody and boom they get you know and i'm like we know nobody so we just make our films and you know we do what we do but um i do remember like you know people just being like just go to toronto there's just this endless fountain of film opportunity (laughs) yeah for everybody and it's like huh just people on the street handing out money are you an american here's money (laughs) it is like that i mean i I can't leave the house without just getting off tons of money to do things yes um not the things I want to do. Um, <laughs> and they're sexual. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. But there is a camera that. involved. There so. is a camera, so, you know. <laughs> He's got a van, a white van. Um, <laughs> it's cool. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I've, I've never really heard that, that Toronto is like that kind of, you know, land of opportunity or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I... I there's that perception that if you really want to make it, you want to go to LA as a Canadian too. And I think there is a bit of a brain drain to the States in general, because there is, you know, it's so much more going on. There's so many more opportunities and you're in people's faces and that's how you make connections and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the stomach for that kind of stuff, then um, I, I would think Toronto or New York or Vancouver is a great place to be because there's stuff going on, but it seems you know, like it's a little outside of that yeah, pressure cooker environment of trying to make it, you know. 
I always found it ironic because there's so, you know, everyone talks about Hollywood in LA, but like very few things are even made there. You know, it's just like the deals are made there, but like the money the comes actual, from there. Yeah. The actual films are in like Atlanta or Toronto well, or, you know, that's where all the tax credits are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, I, I just found it so funny because it's like they could just make it easy to film in LA and then it would be like a golden area to be in. But it's not, right, you know, right. now it's Atlanta and, um, or know, overseas, you know, overseas we watch a lot of things are like, yeah. this is filmed in Poland. And you're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, because it looks like the States. So you flew to Poland to have a set look like the yeah. States. That's so ironic. Tax break because one of the crew members was Polish. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're co-production. They probably get money and they probably get a ton of, uh, you know, it's probably cheaper labor and mm -hmm. all those things. And yeah. I know Wednesday was shot in like Romania. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they could have, they could have shot it in Toronto or somewhere yeah. else um, probably and taken some, you know, a crew to Romania for two weeks and shot some exteriors and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I guess it just comes down to the, the dollar and the yeah. money and, and Canada still has that advantage of having a, you know, to, your us dollar goes further here so you can get that stuff there's some tax credits and there's great crews and mm -hmm. and there's always stuff shooting um but for somebody like me in the film or tv world i mean the the you know a lot of the american stuff originates there's a, not a, there is indigenous canadian production right mm -hmm. you know there's canadian writers and directors and we're doing stuff and there's great stuff that's being made but um you know a lot of the production in in toronto and vancouver and montreal is all american stuff and it's coming up and it's um originated by american writers and it's usually um the odd exception uh for high profile stuff it's an american director so if you're a if you're a you know if you're a crew member if you're a grip if you're on the camera department or if you're whatever there's tons of opportunity because you're working steadily yeah but as a writer director it's you know there's there's a lot of writer directors here who mm -hmm. um aren't in the room if you're a writer and for, for tv in the states and you're not uh, necessarily getting those bigger uh american show opportunities so it's it's kind of like a do we leave and do you go to la and that's why right. i think a lot of people go to los angeles or new york to, to tap into that kind of stuff but yeah you know um but when you have a family and you have a life, uh, yeah, I don't, I like it here. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like being here and family and friends and it's, uh, maybe just not that ambitious. Yeah. That's yeah. No, I hear you. I you wanted, know. I meant to ask also with, um, working on a potential feature, what genre would you be approaching? Um, it, I think I've always been drawn. It's probably the era I, I grew up and uh, I've always been, you know, kind of attracted to um, dark comedies, mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think it, it's comedies with some heart. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, I, I love watching horror. I love watching um, slapstick. I love watching um, heavy spy drama stuff. But I think my wheelhouse is definitely, um, you know, poignant comedy comedy with heart dark dark comedy with some something to say i mean I, it's also 
you know, I've tried to write other things and it always just kind of, you know, you know, the feeling you try and write this other thing and suddenly it's like back into that world yeah. and yeah. You know, I'm not going to fight it. I think I yeah. do that pretty well and I think I want to do more of it. So the features I'm working on are all in that kind of wheelhouse. Um, hmm. As much as I think if I did a horror, I'd probably get some money to do it and it would be fun to do, but I just, you know, it's tough. Yeah. Well, you could do a horror comedy. Yeah, I could do that. I, could do that. <laughs> I mean, I'll just break all genre stuff, and a, yeah. a horror comedy would be great. You know, yeah. it's you know, it's so. I love psychological thrillers. Like, if somebody said to me, "Here's here's your, here's your audience, unlimited funding," you know, uh, no, what, no what, don't worry about the return. What, on the yeah. investment. <laughs> uh, if you could be talented, uh, if you, as a writer. Where's where's your niche? Like, I would say I I wish that I could be a really strong writer in in psychological dramas and thrillers. I just love mm. Session Nine and Shutter Island and those types of movies. I, I love that. Um, but it's I overthink them, right? Because right. then I start thinking of like, well, this story could go in fifteen different directions, and then my brain starts doing somersaults, and I'm like, oh my god, like where did I take this story? But the thing that I dread writing the most, and not because I don't love it, is comedy. Because I'm like, I don't find myself funny. I don't like writing comedy. But yeah. that's the thing that does well. Like, I'll, I will throw a comedy or just not even scripted like we did a... Uh, God, I forgot the name of our own movie. Amber. Yeah. <laughs> the hell's the name of that movie? You know, and he built a big robot for it. And there was no script for that. You know, I just went in cold and we just started filming in mm -hmm. it. And I, I had an idea of where we were going, but I didn't have dialogue or what I was going to do. And I just did it. And I've done, we've done that before and for fun. And those are the things that everybody responds to. And I'm like, shit. You know? well, that's, the, that's, that's the internet thing, right? Where you it's can, so if you made a comedy or, Anything genre, really, comedy, like a straight comedy, yeah. or like sci-fi, or sci like yeah. that stuff will do really well online, um, especially if it's short. Um, but, you know, one's sticking around for a 15-minute drama online. You know, yeah. No, no, I no, like no. dark yeah. stories. It's what I'm drawn to. I like telling dark dramas, and uh, it's just, you know... They seem to get the least attention at film festivals, unless there's something super dramatic attached to it or something that you can kind of like pull people in with. But straight dramas are, you know, when we started together, um, it was artsy, you know, they, people looked forward to them at film fests. And now it's like, oh, it's a drama. Now it's like, where's the horror? Where's the comedy? Where's the sci-fi? <laughs> like, that's where everybody's attention is going. Yeah, um, and it's short, right? It's, it's yeah, short yeah. spans. I mean... I, yeah, and that goes to what I said earlier, kind of, is being at festivals years ago, and I made it like a 22-minute kind of drama, and I could see people shifting in their seats, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, and then I'm watching the next film up is like a eight-minute comedy. And people are like cheering at the end. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I poured my heart into this yeah. shit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, for festivals, it's one thing. I but but then again, you can't chase what you think is going to do well. You got to do what right. you know you like and what comes natural. And and if you do that, if you chase things, you know you're never going to make anything that really feels totally authentic. I think. Yeah. So. Plus, at that point, yeah. you might as well just work a regular job because you're just doing that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, um, I'm lucky enough that I'm working a job that I get to be creative in, but it's not directing or DPing, so it's like not. But it's still like an outlet of some sort. You yes. know, and right. but if I'm going to like make 
um, uh, you know, keep chasing whatever's cool. Like that, that to me isn't, I might as well just keep my day job at that point, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You could be doing anything at that point. And I think that's kind of the point of all of this is, you know, sometimes you, I keep saying, you know, keep saying, Oh, you hear about people doing this and that, and they're still miserable directors making hundred million dollar films mm-hmm, um, yeah. because it's a job, it's a job, right? Mm-hmm. You're there to, and it's a lot of pressure and um, rather be cleaning pools. Yeah. You so just get to sometimes. be miserable in a $3 million house, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is I get to cry easier. in my new Jag. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Lay your head on, you know, 400 thread count sheets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the stuff you get at Target. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I uh, not to, I, and again, I don't want to sound like sour grapes, like that can't be awesome. But I, I just think you have to do it in a way that makes sense in your life mm-hmm. um and and makes you kind of happy and uh, maybe i'm just speaking from somebody who is older and slightly older and has you know made those mistakes and felt like i needed that something mm-hmm. else yeah. that pinnacle of whatever yeah. you know and i think that's um that's where you get caught up and it, it you go off the rails if you chase that too much right yeah. but i do um, think but, i do i do think that um depending on on your outlook of it too right if someone came to me tomorrow and said hey look we're we're going to give an unknown a million a hundred million dollar movie and you're the you're the unknown so good luck and i'd like i would absolutely take that right because absolutely you know because of the opportunities it'll it'll lend me and 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 the uh and all that stuff but it's like but that's not me you know what i mean it's like it's it's taking that opportunity of making that movie for a a uh studio and then what you can do now, what that allows you to do, you know, that's not the making it part. It's the money that you get from it and the opportunities that you get from it. That's the making it part because now I can make my film, you know. Exactly. And I love the directors who or writers who are doing that. They're balancing their careers in a way that, you know, one for one for you, one for me. Kind yeah, of exactly. Idea. And you, you mentioned Session 9 and one of my favorite directors is Brad Anderson. Like, dude has been doing great small movies but he also directs big tv you mm-hmm. know keep keep things going but he's also doing really interesting psychological stuff a machinist mm-hmm. and session nine and trans-siberian and like a lot of really cool things so if you can if you can do that um that's awesome that's yeah. great that's great. yeah there's that's a lot well, I, I always talk about um this director david sandberg yeah yeah he's you know he just did um a, a, a hundred million dollar movie and then a couple months later, he's filming in his house with like a two thousand dollar camera with his wife making a short yeah. film. And well, he started like, with the short that yeah, one, yeah that lights out that or lights it's out fantastic stuff, and that's yeah. a great story. And he's still, you know, like that's someone think... who likes what they you know that really loves what they do, and they get it. They get the fact that they're just a, kind of a hired hand. So, but he still loves the thing. So, I, I really appreciate people with that mindset. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 people who can who can achieve both things you know yeah. who can you know maybe maybe it's about um you know compartmentalizing parts mm-hmm. of your career and your life and that's really what it is and i'm sure he's bringing a lot to the big budget stuff he does yeah um but he still sees the um the use and the the creative uh the creative 
uh, outlet that he gets from doing mini shorts and things yeah. like that. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. hard if you don't come from that. It's hard to kind of have that mentality. You know, if you come out of film school and you're handed a twenty million dollar film, you see no value in in making a, a ten thousand dollar short in between your big budget moves movies. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's not to say that that doesn't happen. It may, but I, I, you know, I haven't really seen much of it. I think a lot of it also becomes like the clout chasing, you yeah. know, because there, there's like there's no middle ground for people. It's like either you're making, you know, you're directing Sharknado twelve. Or you've got a hundred million dollar budget and it's just like, you know, it's subjective. It's what you think success means, uh, you know, and and I'd rather be prolific in my work and be able to survive. And that's that's the thing, you know, it's, a, it, you know, when you when you um, I've worked in very wealthy areas and you see that it's the same pattern of like it doesn't matter how much you get you want more because then that becomes boring. And so then it's just more and more and more and more. It's like, well, you're never really satisfied with anything that you have here. So you've got a, a $10 million house and you're driving a $200,000 car, but you're miserable. You know? yeah. So I mean, you know, it's, it's what you do with it. But um, I just, uh, I, I thought, I thought your short was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I, I liked you know, I liked the simplicity in it. It's, it, it's funny. I watched that and I was like, see, this is, I do this. I do the same thing that you were saying where I have a feature idea and I'm trying to shrink this down into a short. And then, you know, he gets into editing and I'm sitting there with him and it's like, why is this at a 27 minute runtime? This is going to get annihilated. And we did that with the a film of Vital Sign. We did it was 30 minutes. We sent it over to our friend Richard Riemann who watched it and he was like, it's good, but you're going to get killed with this runtime. He's like, and yeah. because he just went through it, I think his short was almost 40 minutes. And he's like, right. it was so tough for us because that's not a feature. It's not a short. You're asking people to sit there for half an hour, which is the same as asking them to sit there for an hour at that point, you know? So, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, being at seeing that reaction at film festivals to um, longer shorts, it's it's tough. But also, I think it's just about what you can do. Sometimes I think of it as a you know proof of concept for mm-hmm. a feature. Um, but it's it, again, it's really it's really about just managing managing expectations in a way, and also doing what I think can be done in an interesting way, like, you know, it was nice to shoot over a night, one night yeah, it's yeah. done. And then you go into post and, um, and, and it's contained and you have this kind of nicely kind of packaged thing that can go out into the world. And it's tough. I, I always, I mean, I would like to make a short that's a, it's a bit more, um, in depth and, and has a bit more going on and more cast and stuff. But I find, like you said, it just, they grow mm-hmm. and they become something that, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, the next step is a feature. And I think that opens up a whole other world of things. So, yeah, I mean, um, short and sweet, I guess is, is uh, always in the back of my mind for this kind of thing. Um, and I was always forced to keep things tight in terms mm-hmm. of when I was working on, um, in TV on, on, on late night stuff, the comedy had to be kind of quick, almost cold right. open type stuff, you know, and, yeah. and tell a story, but do, do it quickly. And, 
And I think that's kind of stuck with me is, is, um, and if anything, I'd like to let things breathe more. So, yeah, um, my next short film will be two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's another thing with you know, um, a modest dr- two and a half drama. Hours. You, yeah. you really have to get people invested in the characters and and the story, and that's hard to do in seven minutes. You know, mm, whereas yeah, sure. a sci-fi or a horror, it's you know, people get it. They're in, they're already in for the in for the ride. They don't need as much. Uh, of of uh, investment into that because part of the investment is the genre itself you know right and and certain genre stuff you don't have to do much to trigger that familiarity with an audience to mm-hmm. immediately yeah. mm-hmm. get what you're doing you know yeah. you don't have to set it up as much so once you you enter that world um all the cues are there and you can you can just jump from there as opposed to something else sometimes comedy or drama you have to really build the building blocks or it won't work and that yeah. takes time well, hopefully next time you'll come on, you'll talk about your your dark comedy feature. Or oh, you'll be too big so. and you'll be like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, I feel like, like listen, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> listen, I'm kind of a big deal, so yeah. you guys could just yeah. back off. No, um, I'd love to. This was really fun. And um, I probably said, was it okay? Did I say a bunch yeah. of Everything's good. Sense. I probably said a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much that. for being on, Jesse. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks. All right. That was Jesse Shimada for a simple fucking gesture. gesture. <laughs> it's just a simple gesture. Such a good title. It worked. Sucked me in. Yeah. So you can be like, able to watch that. There's a link. Yeah, we'll have a link um, on Short of the Week, I believe, yep. um, where you can see that. A couple of people that we're going to be talking to this year, I, I just sort of like, I went on a uh, an obsessive like film purge hmm. or whatever the opposite of that would be yeah. and uh, just started kind of watching things. And so these are the ones that caught my eye. Hmm. Um yeah, it was really funny. It was it was really funny that that exact thing happened to us like a week yeah, later. Because yeah. <laughs> it isn't often that I don't get the courtesy wave. And I was like, well, this is ironic. I didn't get my courtesy wave. And I'm, I'm kind of miffed about that now. Yeah. But I was able to laugh they about were it. Supposed to, I remember they were making these. I don't know who they is. But they were going to come out with these like, um, like light signs or something oh, that they have you put those. in the yeah, back of your car it says like thank you and sorry yeah, you can get them yeah. although they'll just it'll give you the finger oh that one yeah they have that too there's all kinds of yeah. options that you have uh to fuel your road rage yeah, <laughs> further yeah. on on the road there um yeah i would i would um flip somebody off in 8-bit that had emotional and mental problems that's the kind of luck i have with those it's like yeah. tempting to buy something and then like that some, they would shoot it they would yeah shoot and your... then i would do that to some like escape convict or something that uh, you know i just don't need that kind of pressure in my yeah. life it seems fun but i can see that backfiring on me literally big time <laughs> so uh i don't think i'll be doing that yeah. anytime soon um but yeah do do check his short out and uh, if you have any other films or shorts that you'd like for us to see, then you can throw them our way. Um, I think we're pretty much officially done torturing you with the information about our movie where we've finished. We have like the rough cut, which is almost the final cut. It's already been submitted yeah, it's to its first locked. fest. The, the cut is locked, but I still need to tweak the audio and, and the color and stuff and but still kind of going back and go. forth if if. If we can afford a, a, a professional touch on this or not, so we'll see. I don't think it needs it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. 
we still have to bleed so much money into film fest film fees. Yeah. So this the film fest that we submitted to, we hit the day before the deadline. Yeah. I think um, so. It was like fifty bucks for to submit a short, which I think is insane. Well, I mean, look for a for a, a late deadline, it's not that bad. Those are fifty bucks is like okay, but, usually like the early bird deadline. But, but riddle me this: Why would the time frame in which I submit this change the price? Like, if you really think, I, no, I would yeah, like no, no. to know, like the the mindset there, where you go, like, well, if you submit between this time and this time, it's the least that it'll ever be, and if you feel, if you submit it between this time and this time, it's the regular price. But if you submit it at the last, the tail end of our deadline, you're gonna pay out the ass, and I don't understand that. Like, it's the same film. Yeah. People are watching the film for whoever runs your festival. You're doing the same work. It doesn't, I don't understand why it should cost more. Like you're punishing, it feels like you're being punished for submitting to that yeah. festival. Uh, it, it, someone explained the politics to me. I, I, I just, we're the idiots that ran a film fest and didn't charge anyone. We did the whole thing for free. Yeah. So I, I just don't, I can't kind of wrap my noggin around why something could start out at $20 and wind up at $50 four months later. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like a bit of a a bit of a grab. Sure, oh sure, sure. <laughs> and I'm just saying we don't appreciate it. Uh, anyway, that 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 is how that works. Shout out MoGraph to MoGraph. I don't know what's going on next week. Uh, we've got some stuff to watch, I guess, and uh, you know we'll go through some reviews and things unless something miraculous happens and. Uh, we get called away by Hollywood and we have to give up the whole show. Yeah. You know, in which case, it was nice if we knowing you. Go to you. Toronto and and thank you. We'd like to go to Toronto. Now we know somebody. I actually we've had a couple, uh, a couple of our guests from from Canada, but I think, yeah. um, not maybe one other person from Toronto. It was like Vancouver. That's very far for for us. We yeah. can drive to Toronto in a day. That's yeah, yeah. That's doable. Vancouver, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely, uh, but that's far. Even Montreal, we'll do that. That's not. We can get there in a day. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'd be nice to go to. Toronto and then get all that money that is just available yeah, to us for everywhere. existing as everywhere. filmmakers from the States. Yeah. We'll just bully our way through that and that's get right. to the front of the line. Because that's what from we the do. States. We want all of your money. <laughs> we do that best. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.